I'm John Gray, and this is Win the Day with James Whitaker. You're listening to Win the Day with James Whitaker. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, here's your host, James Whitaker. Let's go! Hey, winners. Welcome back to Win the Day. If this is your first time here, we sit down with some of the world's true changemakers to give you all the tips, tools, and strategies to win the day every day. The quote for this episode comes from Helen Keller and says, The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even heard, but must be felt with the heart. Today, we're talking about the heart, and we've got the number one relationship expert in the world to guide us. John Gray is the author of mega bestseller, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. It's been named one of the most influential books of all time and was the best-selling hardcover book of the 1990s. Dr. Gray is a prolific author with more than 20 books available in more than 50 languages in 150 countries. As an advocate of health and optimal brain function, he also provides natural solutions for overcoming depression, anxiety, and stress to support increased energy, libido, hormonal balance, and better sleep. Dr. Gray has appeared repeatedly on Oprah, as well as on The Dr. Oz Show and Good Morning America. He's also been featured in Time, Forbes, and USA Today, and was the subject of a three-hour special hosted by Barbara Walters. His latest book, sitting right in front of me, is Beyond Mars and Venus, Relationship Skills for Our Complex Modern World. In this episode, we're going to talk about proven tips to immediately strengthen your relationship, the biggest mistakes people make in the home, secrets of a happy marriage, and how to achieve your highest level of fulfillment. Before we begin, remember that the right bit of inspiration can completely change the trajectory of someone's life. So if there's a friend or loved one out there who needs to hear this episode or could use some help to win the day, share it with them right now. All right, let's win the day with Dr. John Gray. John, so great to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Great intro. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, congratulations on your enormous body of work. Now, for a little bit of context, John and I met each other about 36 hours ago. We were at an event together. Uh, I sat there enraptured right next to you, just listening to some of the things that you were sharing and that I have been implementing in the home to devastating effects. So I really appreciate all of those things. Devastating in a good way? Devastating in a good way. Yes, a, a very good way. Because the things that you're tapping into, and the first question I wanted to ask you, like, the, the time that we spent together, the few hours we had together on Sunday, it made me realize that despite my best efforts, my, despite my best efforts and even naivete, I know nothing physiologically about the person that I've committed my life to. So what are the biological differences between us that those in relationships need to know about? Well, when I wrote Meta for Mars, the whole theme there was just my basic experience of counseling for 10 years at that point and being married and having three daughters. So and growing up with five brothers, guys are one way and then suddenly have daughters, suddenly I'm counseling 90% of the people are women. It's like they're all complaining about the same guy, me. <laughs> and I, but when, when a woman expresses her complaints to a therapist, he doesn't take it personally. So you can actually hear it. And when you have them over and over and over, you, you take note of how women tend to misunderstand men and men tend to misunderstand women. We really have different priorities quite often. For example, like one day, uh, it must have been like four or five women on that day. I don't know why that day it came up, but it was a woman said, you know, the only time my husband touches me is he wants sex. And literally inside of my brain, I'm thinking, what's wrong with that? You know, I don't say that. I say, tell me more. Okay. <laughs> That's a therapy thing. But, uh, and then that night I went up and I was giving my wife a hug in the, in the kitchen. I just came up to give her a cut, hug. 
because all these women were talking about hugs. So I thought I'll go give her a hug. And then she stopped. She kind of froze and she says, you know, John, the only time you want to, only time you touch me is when you want sex. So it was a very funny thing. So I had to look into, okay, what's the problem here? You know, because for women, they need to be more in the mood to want to have sexual touch. And men are almost always in the mood for sexual touch. <laughs> so now, this is now 30 years later, I was able to find all the biological reasons for this. And it's kind of very timely because this book, Beyond Mars and Venus, because see, we're, we're no longer in the traditional roles, but men are still men and women are still women. And we kind of go, was well, this just made up? You know, in the universities, they say this is just social engineering that made us this way. And Actually, it's called biology that made us this way. And social engineering can help us maintain a healthy biology. So when the uh, Supreme Court nominee was asked, how do you define a woman? This is really great. She says, you have to talk to a biologist. Well, here's a book, Beyond Mars and Venus, where I talk <laughs> about the biological differences of men and women. And ironically, they are all there to explain on a biological level the, the simple examples that I give in Men Are From Mars that at that time, so many people related to, I mean, huge, 50,000, 80,000 people a week for almost seven years were <laughs> buying that book. You know, that's a lot of people uh, who were in relationships relating to it. Kind of like when you heard me, you're relating to it and you can easily apply it because it's just insights that you're not really aware of if you don't understand how men and women are different. But even then, a small percent of women, and now a lot of women will say when they read Men Are From Mars, they'll say, you know, I feel like I'm from Mars and my husband's from Venus. And that is due to a biological uh, change which is happening. Because when women are more independent and they're making money, they're making more male hormones and they tend to make less female hormones. And whenever her male hormones are dominant over her female hormones, she will have higher stress levels and that's measurable. And for men, whenever a man is stressed, he's gonna have lower male hormones and higher female hormones. And we'll go into the details of it, but so the thrust of my work now is for many people, when you're no longer doing more traditional roles for man's provider, woman's homemaker, and so forth, uh, now you've got women making more testosterone than they traditionally did and less estrogen, new challenges. And so the second book here is all about helping men understand their wives when they're stressed and help. How can I help bring her back to her female side? How can I produce more female hormones in her? And vice versa, what women can do is to communicate new ways to a man which bump up his testosterone. And the things that you do are about strengthening relationships, but to me it also strengthens, even maybe primarily, it strengthens the relationship that you have with yourself, the awareness that you, that you have within it. It's such a big part of that. And I, I wanted to know, was there a specific tip out of your four decades, maybe longer, of counseling? Was there a specific tip that led to the most breakthroughs? Oh, you mean the tips that I give? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's the one you talked about today. It's <laughs> for men to under, there, there isn't it a day, because people recognize me, we're, uh, particularly in airports, okay, because I'm more accessible in airports. And there'll be, people kind of go, is that the guy, is that the guy? <laughs> He's the one who wrote the book. You know, the only <laughs> book they've read in 20 years. But the. The guy will come up to me. The woman feels like she doesn't want to invade my space. But the guy, you know, he knows I'll love it because he's only going to acknowledge that I helped him. You know, every man wants to feel you're successful. So the guys will come up and they'll say, man, I just didn't know. I realize now she just needs to talk sometimes. And if I don't interrupt, she's really happy and she's grateful. <laughs> is it the idea is that men, particularly to make male hormones, which are more important for a man's well-being than a woman's, 
male hormones get produced when you feel confident in solving problems. So if your wife's talking about problems, a man will want to interrupt and solve the problem. That makes him feel good. But what makes her feel better than just solving problems, although that can feel good for a woman, it's being heard, talking and having somebody listen. And the striking thing that's kind of shocking for everybody is talking about problems is actually a major estrogen producer. And so just to get a kind of a rough idea where all this comes from, I'm, and I even witnessed it when I went down and started living with different primitive tribes that haven't been exposed to our social engineering. And you sort of see a, a picture emerging of a, a lot of pregnant women, babies, and women are all kind of tribal and taking care of their children. Men do the jungle work, the dirty, difficult, dangerous stuff, and everybody's rather happy and peaceful. And as long as nobody invades their tribe, you know, but as a group, they're good. And imagine at night, she's getting water from the river and she sees a tiger in the woods. Now she's got a baby, you know, she's uh, very vulnerable. So what's her first reaction? She sees the tiger, she scuttles back very quietly, but she goes back to her home, the hut, and she has to tell somebody. Imagine how much stress she's gonna feel in her body if she doesn't tell somebody about it. And she'll tell her husband, he'll get some guys together, and then they'll very quietly go and remove the tiger or do something. So you don't hunt an animal making noise, but if you're a woman and you're in stress, you gotta tell somebody. So you verbalize. And there's even biology that supports that, which is under minimal stress, moderate stress, women have eight times more blood flow to the hippocampus, which is the emotional part of the brain. And men, it stops. We become quiet. We just become thoughtful. We mull it over. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? You have to think in your head where she needs to communicate. Now that still is in our biology. And so that's why we had this huge industry of counseling. Uh, there's more counselors and doctors and nurses. I mean, it's a big industry and then coaching beyond that. When it comes to counselors and therapists, 90% of the people who go are women. They literally want to pay somebody so they can talk. And most therapists will just ask questions, They're, you know, not giving so much advice. I have to say, I wish they would give more advice after a woman feels heard. Yeah. Because the women I experience in my office and in my seminars all around the world, they often feel that I give and give and give and I don't get back, which is they're feeling like I'm the good guy and he's the bad guy. But they don't realize that what they're giving is what women would want and not what men want. <laughs> and, and men are over there thinking they're doing everything fine. And, and they actually have different ways of expressing this. We just don't understand why it's not landing. You know, we're throwing a basketball and it just never hits the hoop. What's going on? Or throw a baseball, you know, how do you throw one that's straight? You know, you need, you need a mentor. You need somebody to teach you and we need new skills for this. So like you were mentioning the, the big breakthrough for so many men, it's like chapter three or something too. It's when she's talking, don't interrupt with solutions, but ask more questions. And as a tip for everybody who's listened this far, the questions are, she's talking, you try not to say anything and then say things like, help me understand that better. And then you say, she's talking, well, tell me more. And you make little noises. Ah, I see. Yeah, right. Don't suddenly take it back. And then when it seems like it's done, say, say what else? Because they're never done right away. Okay. There, there's a, like a, a spiral that women go through to, to great extent with their intimate relationships. And I don't want to imply that she's this way in the work world. In the work world, she's more like a man. She's to the point, let's use communication to solve problems. But 
you know, they're two different worlds, work and intimacy. You know, there's different rules that go with each. And if you're really good in the business world, usually you're not that good at the intimate, intimate mm -hmm. world. So it's good to have both sides. And I think in communication and relationships more broadly, it's important to think about what is the other person going to want a success rather than making it about you. And when you had said to me two days ago that men are more likely to want to just butt in and try and solve the problem, if you had have asked me before that, if you had graded me, I would, have, I would have graded myself very well at being a really good listener with my wife. And I didn't realize how often I actually tried to butt in and solve the problem. And as you said, she doesn't want me to solve the problem. She wants to feel heard and she wants to be able to communicate and feel like that she's got that out. And I, that's been such a, that already I feel like has changed my life. It's, it's a huge thing. And, and yet everything I teach has another, has complications, has complications. Cause sometimes she does want you to solve the problem. Okay. <laughs> but wait until she's talked about it and you get her to talk more. And quite often she's also talking in an intimate relationship about a problem that we need to find a solution for. And she's upset about it. If ever she's upset, that's where you first listen much, much longer because you have to know that any upset is going to cloud our ability to find harmony together. Mm. It will cloud our ability to, a woman's ability to appreciate your point of view. It'd be, you'll, you might get a lot of yes, buts, yes, buts. <laughs> uh, I learned that as a therapist, just in the therapy office. If I ever give a suggestion before 30 minutes, there's going to be a long line of yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. <laughs> However, if I can listen and understand better and really understand her point of view more, my solutions or suggestions will be better, but she will be willing to receive them. It's literally like, it's like uh, she's got to get it out and then she can bring something in. Stephen Covey, seek first to understand and then be understood. Yeah. 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 yeah that's it's, a good uh, one. It's a good point. So outside of women. But let me add to that, yep. that, that is a, a wonderful principle. Yeah. <laughs> However, when women complain... You listen, and then a lot of men then say, okay, I understand this and this and this, and you're wrong, and now you should understand why you're wrong. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work. Uh, you just want to prevent escalation in relationships. And what I've seen again and again is women will say things that might be a little bothering to a guy. It's a minor thing. And what he'll do is he'll detach to think about it. You know, it's like, is that really true? You know, she said, oh, we never go out anymore. You're not the same guy. And he's kind of thinking, what does that mean? You know, I mean, we went, we went out last week. You know, <laughs> you know it's like, he's being very analytical about it and detached. Analysis, detachment, solving problems. These things make testosterone. And, and I'll mention it again because I keep coming back to testosterone, estrogen. There are a few other female hormones as well, but I'll simplify it with estrogen. When a woman has well-being, happy, her estrogen levels will be 10 times higher than the average man. And when a man has well-being, his testosterone levels will be 10 to 20 times higher than the average testosterone for a woman. So these are like key things. So then you look at that and you go, wow, any man who is depressed has low testosterone. Any man who's angry, his testosterone's going down and his estrogen's going up. And so... If I want to be like a man and feel confident and strong and motivated, the best part of masculinity, I want to keep my testosterone up. And one of the things that lowers it right away is if you get angry and start talking. That's another takeaway. If you're starting to feel annoyed and irritated, as soon as you say something, you're going to, it's like a, a landslide. You know, the pebble's going and you'll get more and more angry and more and more upset. And what men don't understand is a man articulating anger to his wife 
hits a nerve inside of her, which is thousands of years old, which is her life is in, da is in danger. So she's going to put up walls and she's not going to be able to hear what you say anyway. You want to create safety for women. Our job always has been, see, what I've done is just upregulated our job. You know, we have policemen and government and divorce lawyers and everything that create safety <laughs> for women. But so what do they need us for? They need a lot of emotional safety. Mm. See, that's the thing. When, you, when Maslow talked about hierarchy of needs, the lower needs, when they're fulfilled, the higher needs come into play. Mm. And intimacy, making love. You know, I teach around the world. I say, okay, let's look at all the options I can teach you about. Everybody wants me to talk about how to create lasting passion. We want to feel the juice, you know. Mm. And ironically, the juice is produced, that passionate feeling, when you're blending your masculine and feminine together. I mean, if you think about sex, what's happening is literally a man is slowing down to respect her and eventually he's entering into her. He wants to get into her. That's the blending. Instead of becoming feminine himself, he joins with a woman who is feminine and then you can be both masculine and feminine at the same time. Mm. If I just work on being feminine, I lose my masculinity. Mm. That's why relationships can be so powerful to find that balance is when you're listening, you're making, you're solving a problem, right? Now, now you have a new context for listening. I'm solving the big problem, which helping women process their feelings, their thoughts. And on a biological level, you're raising their estrogen. And we just have to get when estrogen goes up in women, the things that were upsetting them are no longer going to upset them. It's going to become no big deal, no big deal. And that's another million dollar tip is ever you are complaining to your husband, preface it with, you know, just want to talk for a few minutes and it's no big deal then his blood pressure will go back down. When you say to your husband, we need to talk about something, go bang, stress levels go up. Oh, what did I do? What's going on? They don't want to be attacked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so just, just to say, it's no big deal. And, and then he'll be able to listen because our brain is always, as a man, how big a deal is this? Okay. And when emotions are involved, if there's some emotional tone, he misinterprets her to think she's saying it's a big, big deal. Because for men, little problems, you have no emotions. And for women, little problems, you actually have more emotions than big problems. Mm. You know, when a woman has a big problem, she shuts down and she has no emotion. And a man, when he has emotion, it's because he can't solve a problem. As we get frustrated or angry or whatever, that means your testosterone is going down and your estrogen is going up. But the experience for men is they only get emotional when the problem is big. I mean, negative emotions here. The problem is big. Whereas women get emotional when it's just life going by and they just want to talk about it and that will lower their stress level by increasing estrogen, being seen, being heard, knowing what she thinks without somebody minimizing her or judging her. You mentioned there that the role in a relationship is to prevent escalation. And you said something on Sunday about the role in a conversation for the man is to protect your partner from the dragon within you. And that really resonated with me because, you know, full transparency with everyone watching and listening to this show, I feel like my biggest weakness as a husband is that sometimes, you know, my wife and I don't argue very often, but when we do, I, you know, I tend to lash out verbally at something that I totally don't mean that massively escalates it. And then, you know, I slink off and, and she's very frustrated, understandably, and, that dragon in you. God, and, just and, it, and it takes maybe a couple of days before your heart opens again. It's mm -hmm. literally a shutdown. It could be maybe four hours, but it can also be several days. Yeah. And then you kind of, how do we get back together over here? Yeah. So when you said that the dragon thing, that actually was my wife telling me that because one of the big, another big takeaway of men are from Mars that, that men love and women tell me about the most. They say, thank you for teaching me about a man's cave. Now it's sort of every man has his cave, but it started with the Men Are From Mars book. 
which is helping women understand men's tendency as a general thing is he, he goes to work, action, he needs to rest. He needs to do something that's not stimulating estrogen, but re-stimulating testosterone. Because when you're in stress during the day, you tend to run out of, you're making testosterone, but you're also running out of it. And the more you're stressed or frustrated or whatever, you tend to go lower in your testosterone. So there's a recovery period that a man needs, which is, it's not about her. It's about, I just need to have a hobby or I need to, you know, read the news. I, I need to go for a good workout. You see, there's a lot of different activities that stimulate the production of testosterone, but they're completely stress-free. That means it's, you're not making money from it. You don't worry about it. You know, you're fixing your garage, your, your car in the garage. Every, <laughs> a lot of, everybody's got crazy ha hobbies, man. That's man's thing. That's his thing he does by himself. And so a guy comes home and he's working in the garage or he's ignoring his wife. And she can feel like, what did I do wrong? Or he doesn't love me as much anymore. And then she wants to say, what's, what's bothering you? Or you, she's searching to see if you're upset with her. And what I explained is that he's just in his cave. And the cave is a place where it's non-personal. And then he can rebuild his testosterone and come back into the personal world. It's not like he has to do it every day or some men do. Some men do it longer than others. Some men get addicted to it. So that's another dance, which is if he's staying too long in the cave, you have to have skills to move them out. And the skills, one, one simple skill, you know, you can't teach everything in a short <laughs> interview, but there's, this is a great one, which is, you know, if he's really like got addicted to just sitting there watching TV or he's on his computer and, and you, you can say to him something, never judge him for it because he's doing what's his instincts, but instinctive. But you say, oh, honey, when you have a chance, I need your help. It will only take 10 minutes. And then let him pick his time. Usually he'll say, well, what is it? What is it? And he said, well, I'll let you know <laughs> when you're ready. You know, and then, and then he might forget because this is a new thing. Uh, but he's going to go to the bathroom at some point. And say, oh, while you're up, I, I need your help. Would you, uh, it would just take a few minutes. And you draw him out of the cave. Because, you know, when something's feeling good, you kind of just want to keep going. <laughs> yeah. and, and then you can get addicted, whatever it is. And so there's certain activities in the cave which can be unproductive. And, and certain ones which are very productive. I'd say the, the main one in the cave that's unproductive is too long in the cave or doing porn. Mm. Porn is uh, highly tempting for men because it's something that's unproductive that produces a lot of testosterone right away. Anytime you have an erection, your testosterone shoots up, but it goes right back down and you actually lose the potency that you could have had if you were doing something more constructive. So when, he, when you invite him, what help do you need? It's just 10 minute help. And then you make sure to appreciate him for it. The most powerful one is to use him when he comes out of the cave to help you become more feminine, return to your feminine side. And there's nothing more feminine right now in this age that we live in is when women are more on their male side, what can bring them back is to talk about the feelings that they experienced through the day that they suppressed. See, when you're on your male side, you, you can't, be in touch so much with your feelings. You're solving problems, solving problems. But the truth is every day there's stress. They've measured women's stress levels in the workplace and they're twice as high as men. And they double again when they come home. Uh, women need to talk about what's going on inside. And what That's I teach- outlet. It's an outlet. It's an outlet. It's a hormone producer and it's a connector. See, there, there's women have many uses for language and men can use some of them, but 
one of the uses is like a man, solve problems, gather information to solve problems, talk about this. But another one is just talking about what you feel makes you more connected to your partner. And connection is estrogen producing. And that's the whole point. You know, we don't always not aware of how much we need connection because we don't need as much estrogen. They need 10 times more than us. And to be romantic, and people want to feel the passion and the romance, they need 20 times more. Say, so we have all these skills in my books of how men can do little things <laughs> to help raise a woman's estrogen level so she feels more connection. And she particularly needs it when you're in the cave because when you're in a cave, you're disconnected. And men need that time. And a lot of men today feel their wives will say, oh, you're spending too much time alone and whatever. And maybe he really is, or maybe he just needs an hour in the cave, which is not too much time. Mm. Okay, so it could be half an hour, it could be whatever. But even with that, again, the yes but with that, it's not like I come home and ignore my wife. No, I'll come home and the first thing I do is I find her. Yeah. And my kids come at me and say, daddy, daddy, when they were young. Yeah. Uh, I, the first thing they'll say now, after I taught them this is, where's mom? Because yeah. my first question is, where's mom? She's number one, I go find her, and I give her a good six second non-sexual hug. Okay, it takes about six seconds and you can measure the hormone of oxytocin starts to go up and that then opens the doorway for her estrogen levels to go up. In a sense, estrogen goes up anytime you're, you're feeling I have a need and someone is there to support me. And the unfortunate thing today is that many women are not aware of their need to talk about their feelings. They'll go to a therapist, the ones who do, they realize that once you experience it, then you realize, gee, just talking about it, I'm suddenly in a better mood. And you can multiply that uh, maybe even 10 times in terms of a better mood or a shorter amount of talking if she brings in her emotions. Because, <clears throat> you know, if my wife, many women see the world experience it quite differently. So if she's complaining and they, you know, she, oh, nobody appreciated me today. You know, I did more work and they ignored me and they did this and this. I never experienced that in the workplace. You know, it's, that's not my pet peeve. But for women, it's a pet, it's, a, it's common. They feel ignored, they feel excluded, they feel not acknowledged, they feel not appreciated, they feel overworked, they feel not uh, seen, heard, you know? So, mm -hmm. And so if she's talking about those things, it's kind of like, I don't have that experience of being a woman and being in the workplace, which was built for men and not for women. It's slowly changing. But when she comes back, I can't really fully empathize with that unless, and this is the key, she brings some emotion in it. Mm. And she's, oh, so frustrating. Instead of like, nobody appreciates me at work. It's so frustrating. I do this and this and nobody even notices it. And I'm working really hard. I feel so disappointed that, you know, I thought this job was going to be so great. And now nobody's supporting me in this way. And I'm concerned it's going to stay this way forever. And today I said something, I, I told him, you know, I told so-and-so just a few details about her life. And I was so embarrassed. I thought I should have said it differently later. See, that's vulnerability, revealing these emotions, but you first have to become aware of them because they just sort of, they're like right under the surface. Mm -hmm. But when a woman can reveal emotions, not only does she produce more estrogen, but a man can actually empathize. Mm -hmm. See, we experience frustration all the time. We experience disappointments and whatever. We don't have the need to talk about it and therefore we're not even so much conscious of it. Mm -hmm. But when she's experiencing it, we can relate, we can relate. And the thought that men don't have emotions, some people think that, it's just we don't talk about it. Watch any man watching a football game. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Of course we have emotions. We just don't have sort of the ability of, we don't really have the great need that women have. And see, these, everything I've said is politically incorrect because we have social engineering saying we're all the same. And therefore we should all be like women. 
and yet all have jobs like men. <laughs> you know, it's like, where are your feelings? So back to what you initially said about the cave and a man de-escalating. Whenever you start to get angry, there's two steps. One is when you're angry and you're man, you're out of control. See, like right now, we're having a very peaceful conversation. I know what I'm doing. I'm good at this. You're good at that. But if I wasn't good at this, I'd suddenly have some emotion of fear and whatever. So confidence for a man creates detachment from emotions, but it doesn't mean it's de- he can't feel other people's emotions, a detachment from any sort of anxiousness within himself. Mm. So you're having a conversation, smiles on your face, your heart's open, you're listening to your partner, she's talking about her day. And, and if she brings a little emotion into it, you don't get tired real quick. You know, if you can't relate to a woman talking, you just got to go, well, what am I doing here? You know, it's, it's, it just adds to it if women can reveal because emotions is estrogen. And what women are looking for in their wives is to experience estrogen. And what women need, but they might know is more estrogen. And a man can provide that. And if you're providing what she needs, you're building your testosterone. Her estrogen is going up. You don't, she doesn't need to ask you what's going on. But often women feel like, oh, I need to know what you're feeling because they're afraid of sharing their feelings with you. See, the key is <laughs> you go into her and, and, and you open her heart by listening. If you, if you listen to a man, you can actually encourage him too much to go to his female side. And I don't know if you're one of the small groups we did, but I just asked the women, you know, when men start talking about their feelings and their complaints at work, how many of you just feel kind of like disgusted? <laughs> and how they also went like, yes, you know, because <laughs> they feel guilty because they want you to be interested in their feelings. But when they're kind of like, where's the man? You know, mm-hmm. it's like he's whining, he's complaining, he's whatever. And why is he in that place? Because we're told to be that way. You know, and women are saying, what are you feeling? What are you feeling? And psychology is saying you need to talk about your feelings uh, and and how hard, how we abuse men by not letting them talk about their feelings. No, uh, we need to learn how to process our feelings with first with our analysis that judge whether it seemed that, is it a big deal or not a big deal? There's no problem if it's a big deal to have emotions without a doubt. There's an old Chinese phrase, which is uh, men should not express negative emotion. Men should not cry unless their heart is broken. And of course, my wife died four years ago and I cried a lot, you know, and you know, I've, I've been defrauded a few times and uh, cried a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, big things, men appropriately become emotional. Mm-hmm. But the life, the normal stuff in life is not to be talked about so much. Mm-hmm. And so then some people get upset with me for saying that even so that you can come back to a nice, harmonious place. If a woman is feeling more feminine than you, always fine to go to your female side. Mm-hmm. But if you go to your female side and she's not more on her female side, your relationship's going downhill. And that's kind of like another way of saying that is if a woman feels she's not being heard and you want to be heard, it's the wrong direction. Mm. And all I'm doing is pointing people in the right direction. If you need to be heard, men, first hear her. It's still like, it's like orgasm. Always give the woman the orgasm first, the foreplay for her. You just jump in and do what feels good to you. She's left in the cold. You know, it's like give her what she needs open her up. And what I have found, if you learn how to share very in a vulnerable way without attacking your partner, and that's a, a lesson women can learn. I'll get to that. But when she opens up and shares, because I relate to the frustrations and the disappointments, it makes me aware of what I'm frustrated and disappointed about. I don't need to talk. 
See, she's actually healing my female side by opening up and I'm healing her by being present for her. And that just, and when I say healing, I just mean stress levels are going down. So I never finished that uh, question you asked me about the dragon inside. So one time Bonnie and I were starting to escalate into an argument and I said, look, honey, I just need to think about this and we'll talk some more and went to my cave. And I don't know, it was like four hours because it didn't get escalated too much. The less you escalate, the more quickly men can open their heart again. And I came back and, and so the signal is I'm out of the cave is I'll come back and stand around her and stroke her hair and be a little affectionate. And she starts to go, okay, that angry guy's not here now. <laughs> and then, but one day she said to me, she said, John, thanks so much for going to your cave and protecting me from the dragon inside. Mm. And I tell that story because it changed me because I felt, oh, now I'm not a bad person because I stepped out of the conversation. But, you know, for women, when you leave a conversation, they feel like they're not, you don't love them as opposed to, look, I'm protecting you from becoming angry. Now there's a step before that. So it's not like I have to do that all the time is I regulate myself when I start to see escalation happening and I, and I basically, I basically back her up a little bit without her feeling I'm stopping her by just saying, well, you just said this, help me understand that better. I want to understand that more. And if you're, as a man, you're sort of directing the conversation, you're making testosterone rather than resisting, you're now embracing, but you're, uh, it, it just, it does give you more control within yourself to be mm -hmm. directing the conversation, knowing knowing I'm, in, I, I, I'm doing something productive he here. And also there's another thing is kind of imagining a, 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 a big gold ribbon first place. Because if you can do this, you're like a hero. Yeah. If you don't become reactive, because yeah. the brain will become reactive. We're designed to, we have these mirror cells that kick into gear. If you're angry with me, I get angry with you. If you're not trusting me, I don't trust you. If you're resisting me, I resist you. And that dramatically increases when you're in an intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. It's like those mirror cells just turn on. Because uh, see, that's how children learn is they duplicate, they duplicate, they duplicate. And when you're making love with your partner on a regular basis, you're constantly bringing in all your childhood issues. Because see, the only time in life we get naked <laughs> with somebody who makes us feel really good, <laughs> not sexually, but naked uh, is children, you know? And, and who is more dependent on someone than a child. Well, part of a marriage is we are dependent on our partners uh, for many things, but a healthy relationship, you're not dependent on your partner to be happy. You use your relationship to become happier. That's a healthy place. If you really take, it's called, you know, getting a life, thinking of men, women as dessert. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is like the, I do all this stuff in my life and I'm happy and fulfilled. I, I you know, I might have children, I have pets, I have my relationship to the earth, I have my work, I have my friends, I have my spirituality, I have my health, I have my education. These are all needs that we have as human beings. But when we get in a, we, so, as soon as we touch into sex, it's like the brain goes, this is it, you know? <laughs> and, and, and we get addicted to that. And anytime you, you're, you're unhappy, in my perspective, is when you're unhappy in a relationship, you're prioritizing your partner more than yourself and your life. Mm. Think of him not as the main meal or think of her not as the main meal. How do relationships and marriages that are devoid of intimacy get things back on track? Is that possible? Oh, absolutely. 
it happens all the time. I'm even at the airports where people come up to me and usually when the man comes up and interrupts my space, uh, it's because they were divorced and they got back together. Not to imply that everybody's divorce was with the right person. And sometimes it's just too much. People aren't motivated to work through the issues they have to work through. But there's, there's so many people who just think, you know, we're just too different and it, we argue too much and we, you know, and, uh, they read Men Are From Mars and go, oh my gosh, I've been making all these mistakes all along. And, and it's not just men who realize this. It, women realize it too. And I think any woman, women are always asking me, I ended a relationship, how do we get started again? I said, first thing you need to do is, in understanding these new ideas, reflect on your relationship and see that you're 50% of the problem. Then you have confidence I can pick the right man again. Uh, so many women just don't trust that I can trust myself. And women on average, after a divorce, this is an average, not every woman, but an average, uh, nine years before they get involved again. They just, they're just like shell-shocked, you know, because it's not so much him. It's just, I thought he was the perfect one. And so how can I trust myself? Whereas men, it's three years and usually a few months and he's out there having sex. You know? Like, we need help. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you might even look another reason for that is is uh, why sex tends to be so significant more than men and some women it's just as, just the same but it's through sex you can feel your emotions more you know particularly uh, men have more muscle mass they're born with twenty five percent more DNA for muscles and muscles sort of are testosterone makers which is the opposite of estrogen makers softness women have twenty five percent more DNA for fat cells. Some have more, some have less, but way more than men, generally speaking. Now we can put on fat, but we're, we're, we're designed to produce, women are designed to have more fat because it allows them to produce more estrogen. And often women who aren't having a lifestyle that promotes estrogen will put on a lot of weight. That's one of the reasons women gain weight is that if they're not making enough estrogen, your body says, okay, we need more fat cells to make estrogen. And it's also why men retire. One, one aspect of a man's retirement, you'll see a lot of retired men with these bellies. And those bellies produce estrogen and they knock his testosterone down more. And now he's gonna be more estrogen oriented doing things that are estrogen producing. And, and that's called retirement for a man. Whenever through you- Through a lack of purpose that's provided from work? Yeah, work gives mm. you meaning and direction. Everybody needs it today because we all have access to our male and female side, but men need it more. Uh, to keep their testosterone up. And some men need more testosterone for well-being than others. When you see a man with big shoulders or born with just, you know, lots of muscle mass, it takes a lot of testosterone to make, to sustain that. Mm. And so that means they need a job that makes them feel more like a hero. So more of our heroes are going to be big muscular guys and guys in jail. Uh, I've taught at San Quentin prisoners, a lot of them, not all, but a lot of them are very, very muscular guys. And because they grew up in a, uh, an environment where they didn't have mentors, male mentors, to teach them how to be successful and so forth, which is very important for boys, to have those mentors around. They didn't have fathers, they didn't have functional relationships growing up, and they don't have jobs that make them feel like successful, then uh, they become very angry, they become no heart. They disconnect from their ability to anticipate what somebody's gonna feel. Mm. You know, somebody goes around stealing things. Uh, they they don't have a heart. They can go. Well, how's that person going to feel if the, if you take that away from them? Mm. They're just thinking about themselves. So they're the real narcissists. Okay. Mm. Uh, today, women throw it around all the time. 
oh, all the men I meet are narcissists. No, <laughs> all the men you meet are men. And, <laughs> and you train them to think about themselves more than you. Women don't realize that. We have a, a basic phenomena. Uh, Before Men Are From Mars became a, a big pig seller book. Uh, what helped me understand women besides 10 years of counseling women and being married and all that was uh, a book called Codependent. Uh, I think Codependent No More. And to summarize codependence, it's simply when you're making somebody else's needs more important than your own. Uh, and that tends to be what women do. And when you make a man's needs more important than yours, you're training him to make his needs more important than yours, which is a simple definition of narcissism. When women, you know, you've got to motivate men. And this is an unrealistic expectation. People don't understand our differences. Men typically are motivated, lots of motivation in the beginning. I mean, he just got the energy to do it. And I'm sure everybody's had this experience where you have guests over for dinner and suddenly you have the motivation to clean up your house, right? And that's, it's just there. The motivation is there. That's because, you know, you don't want them to see this and this and this. And, 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 but the energy is there and it's also a, a little bit of a crisis, but it stimulates dopamine. Newness in a relationship stimulates dopamine. Somebody's new, different, and, and, but what happens in a good relationship is familiarity sets in. You feel safe. You feel more serotonin gets produced. It's more relaxing. And that newness of dopamine in the beginning of a relationship just raises women's estrogen so high and raises men's testosterone so high. And so sex therapists will say, you know, you need to have little getaways, you know, go somewhere new and different, be in a new and different bedroom, you know, all, you know a hotel and so these are all good things. It's little helpful things. But the reality is life starts to become very routine in relationships. And it's very easy, comfortable. We get kind of lazy. And why the laziness comes in, the newness isn't there. But there's other things that can, the reason that, it's, that motivation is there and that happiness is in woman is because when dopamine goes up, men's testosterone automatically goes up. Mm. Women's estrogen automatically goes up. So when you don't have dopamine stimulation all the time, you can still stimulate high testosterone in a man and high estrogen in a woman by the way you communicate with each other and understanding that polarity, when you're more masculine than her and she's more feminine than you, there's attraction. Women are turned on to you. They want to have sex with you. They can't wait to have sex with you. Uh, and what you see in marriages is men are kind of like having to negotiate and beg their wives and why are we having more sex? And we want, <laughs> it's just it's a sad story. And she's, but see, she's not a bad person. She's lost interest because she can't feel interest until her estrogen levels hit over 10 times more than his or sometimes 15 times more. It's just, it's got to get up to that point. And if it's not up, then any kind of sexual thought even is kind of disgusting to her, you know. And that's where the non-sexual touch is important. That's a, that and listening to her mm -hmm. and planning dates and hearing her. Hearing a woman is the most powerful estrogen stimulator, but non-sexual touch is also really, really good. So here's a little system I've always done, which is I wake up in the morning, I find my wife and I give her a six-second hug. I leave for work every day. I find my wife and I give her a six-second hug. I come home from work, I find my wife, I give her a six second hug. I'm gonna to go to bed or she's gonna to go to bed before me. I run up after, give her a six second hug. <laughs> Four hugs a day as a minimum. That's a really good one. Uh, at least every day, some compliment or expression of I love you. Uh, and you can do that. It's kind of awkward for men when they're not turned on to, to, feel, to feel their love. They love their partners. 
but because of our, our high testosterone or low testosterone, anyway, our bodies are built more testosterone oriented. The brain doesn't have a lot of connection between talking and feeling love. So in the same way uh, for men, the sex center in the brain is much bigger in us than in women. And the sex center is not located very close to the love center. Whereas for women, they're closer, but also women have, some researchers have pointed out, is nine times more white matter in their brain. And white matter is connective tissue. So they found this out when one study was strokes. If a man gets a stroke in the part of the brain that talks, he can't talk again. If a woman gets a stroke there, she has six other places where she can talk from. <laughs> it's this, it's talking is a major thing for women and silence is throughout, throughout all evolution, unless you're talking to solve a problem. Mm. But us problem solvers who use language to solve problems, we're the worst at communicating with our wives because we spot a problem. Oh, you don't have to feel that way. Or don't worry about that. I'll handle that. Well, you're just looking at it the wrong way. And then even worse, if you go back to Freud, back then, his common thing was every time a woman's upset to a great extent, honey, you're just overreacting. You're overreacting. And where that came from is a misunderstanding of men and women. And yet there is overreaction. But let's just say a woman is being a female in touch with her female little things make a big difference in terms of an emotional response. And for men, we don't notice little stuff. You know, it's just, uh, what am I going to do to solve it? Go right into testosterone. For women is, what am I feeling inside? And let's talk about it. And then men would think, well, why do we need to talk? If she even says it's not really a big deal, he'll say, then we don't need to talk about it. Why do we have to talk about it? And she says, because it feels good. And so the women <laughs> solve problems. They talk to feel good. They, they talk to balance their hormones, lower their stress levels. And sometimes they talk just to know what they're feeling. Mm. And, and that's kind of what all therapy is about anyway, is it you, you talk about what's going on, talk about what's going on, and then you see the world in a different light. For me, you know, as a writer, a lot of writers will say this, I write to know what I think. Yeah, I do that. And, yeah. and, and for me as well, I talk to know what I think. Mm. I talk to know what I know, actually. I walk around this thinking I don't know anything except what I need to know in that moment. Yeah. And then suddenly a book comes out, you know, yeah. it just... Uh, it's a journey. So, but for women, getting it out, you know, talking about it, and even a playful thing, I'll give another little tip here for guys is everybody in America knows about the great Houdini, at least they used to. And he had all these big challenges, but one of his challenges that you know, he was a magician and he could hang upside down, he could get out of any lock, he could get out of prisons. He was an amazing guy. These were his challenges. One of his challenges, I can take any punch. So these big guys would line up and punch him and he just, you know, he had abs, you know, he strengthened his abs, hard, hard as, hard as steel abs. But one time uh, on Halloween evening, uh, some college student said, is it really true you can take any punch? And he said, yep. And he just gave him a jab, quick jab. And that killed who needy. That's how he died. Cause he wasn't prepared. See, men, when they're not prepared, we get all bent out of shape with women, you know, <laughs> and there's always going to be <laughs> a surprise if you're, just accept women are like the weather. You cannot control the weather. <laughs> you could just control what you wear. You know, if it's a hot day, take off your shirt. <laughs> if it's raining, hold an umbrella. If it's cold, put on a jacket. You know, this is what we have to do. Uh, otherwise, we will tend to feel like, why is our mood here one day and our mood is there another? Moods are changing, just as women have to embrace our moods. Our moods don't tend to be, life is great and, and crash down, unless we're more artistic, more on our female side. But men tend to be, 
very interested and very attentive. And then we just ignore our wives completely. We go back and forth, back and forth. They go up and down, up and down. <laughs> it's a nice rhythm, you know, it keeps us flexible. And, you know, when, when men go to their cave, women often say to me, well, what am I supposed to do when he goes to his cave? I go, that's called having a life. Yeah, you know? let it be. <laughs> uh, two quick questions before we move into the rocket round. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about the five love languages. How does your work intersect with the five love languages? Well, well, first, let me say, Gary Chapman, I love him. I know him. He's a great man. His message doesn't explain, doesn't take into consideration men and women are different. All of the five love languages, if you want to list them out for everybody, bottom line is every woman needs every one of those things. Those love languages all produce estrogen. Now, we men like estrogen but we become very lazy with estrogen. So I have a different version of love languages in terms of uh, different forms of love, different from the way he looks at it. And it is, there's appreciation is a form of love. Acceptance is a form of love. Trusting someone is a form of love. Caring about someone is a form of love. Listening and understanding where they're coming from in a non-judgmental way is a form of love. Um, respecting someone, honoring them, putting them above you, uh, serving them is respect. That's a form of love. So I just looked at it. First of all, it took me a long time to figure these things out without the understanding of hormones. But now I can just say very simply, whenever you appreciate someone, their testosterone goes up. Whenever you forgive someone, accept them just as they are, they don't have to be better, they're fine. Acceptance, uh, their testosterone goes up, whether you're a man or woman. And if you're trusted, someone depends on you to get the job done. I come home, my wife, he's here. He's finally here. Great. You know, it's like men of the day. Uh, someone's depending on you. That is testosterone going up. Also, women get that experience. Why they can so much give to children is because children look to their mother as like a god. You know, it's a trusting you so much. So women appreciate these, these forms of love too. But men need 10 times more. Trust, acceptance, appreciation, because they stimulate testosterone in our body. What stimulates estrogen in women is demonstrating caring. When I'm caring for her, prioritizing her, hearing her, doing things in consideration, opening car door. And just with that one, I remember Bonnie, I opened the car door and sometimes she said, you know, I can do that. And I said, of course you can do that. But honey, you give so much to everybody. Let me just give to you tonight. Mm. On a romantic day, always opening the door and going around and opening the door to get her out. Just that little acknowledgement and appreciation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So appreciation, appreciation is testosterone. What I did by opening the car door, first of all, is respecting her, understanding she does so much for so many people. It's nice to have somebody take care of you and show demonstration of caring. So you see all the romantic rituals of the past, traditional romantic rituals, were social engineering so that men could raise women's estrogen twice as much, okay? <laughs> and men's testosterone goes up twice as much if he does something, provides something for her and she appreciates it. So I take my wife to the movies and she says, wow, that was an amazing movie. My testosterone's off the chart. I'm feeling, yeah, I wrote that movie. I produced that movie. I directed that movie. That's my movie. And if the movie's bad, I'm kind of like, oh my God. And, <laughs> and if, every man knows that feeling. And then we go to the movie, we're leaving and I say, honey, well, did you like the movie? And she says, she says, oh, she pa she'll pause and she says, that sunset scene was really wonderful. And I go, yeah, I had nothing to do with the movie. I just, the <laughs> camera guy, I picked that scene. <laughs> you know? So, so it's being playful with each other. The same way, like 
uh, a woman says, you know, do you see this cellulite, honey? Can you love that? I said, honey, I love you. I don't even see cellulite. cellulite. I don't even see it. I give you. See, there's times to be loving and generous with our love and not dwell on just practicality of yes. reality. Final question before the rocket round. On your best day, what's an affirmation that you would write on a flashcard to show yourself on your worst day? Oh, so I want to see. Well, yeah. it's up on my mirror and it's called Don't, don't Speak. <laughs> Ask questions. Love don't that. speak. So it just reminds so me of that most key thing is don't let it escalate. Don't argue in the whole thing. And you have to make decisions as couples, but you don't have to make them right away. Yeah. First, you can take a long time to understand where she's coming from. And then you feel fully understood. And now I've understood you. Now, I just want to share with you some of the things that are going on inside of me. As long as you're not feeling aggressive or judgmental or critical or defensive, you just don't talk when you're feeling defensive. Yeah. Uh, let's now move to the win the day rocket round 10 questions for some quick answers number one what quote inspires you the most oh it's from my mother and it's you always have what you need and if you're unhappy you're looking in the wrong direction number two morning coffee or evening wine uh, i don't do either number three what's one bit of advice you would give your 18 year old self don't masturbate. <laughs> Number four, what book do you gift the most? Uh, Think and Grow Rich. Number five, was there a vulnerable- Oh, my new book is, my friend Ramey wrote that one, which is You Too Can Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Amazing book. Number five, was there a vulnerability you once hid within that became your superpower? Well, I was sort of insecure around sex and now I'm a master. <laughs> I've written books on it and I, I, I do it for hours. Love it. Uh, number six, what's one thing you've learned about failure? Failure is painful, and it always leads me in a better direction and teaches me a lesson. Number seven, if you could sit on a park bench and have a conversation with someone alive or dead, who would it be? My wife died four years ago. Number eight, what tool or resource best helps you run your life or your business? What tool or resource? Oh, resource in myself, it would be meditation. I'm a big mm -hmm. meditator, at least one to two hours a day. A meditation you took us through the other day was, was incredible. Uh, number nine, share one thing on your bucket list. Uh, that I had a hard time with. Yeah. No. Mm. I've been there everywhere, everything. I, I love every day equal. Yeah. And I love the opportunity to teach people. Yeah. You know, in my life, I've been validated. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Hit to the top of the mountain. I'm just here to be of service. Yeah. And number 10, final question. What's one thing you do to win the day? I come back to meditation mm. or making love. Well, there are a bunch of ways to connect with John, and we'll link to all of these in the show notes. You can follow him on Instagram, grab a copy of his latest book, Beyond Mars and Venus, and register for one of his workshops at marsvenus.com. Again, all of that and more will be linked in the show notes. John, thanks so much for coming on the show. Amazing interview. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Win The Day podcast. We want to hear your thoughts on what we covered today, so drop a comment on the YouTube version of this episode with your favorite takeaway, any questions you have, or what actions you'll be taking as a result of what was shared in this episode. And if you found value in the Win The Day podcast, leave a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll find a link to both of those in the show notes. It'll only take you a few seconds and more ratings really helps other people discover the show so they can get the mindset upgrade they need and we can bring more winners into the Win The Day movement. That's all for this episode. Get out there and win the day. Until next time, onwards and upwards, always.